Be seated. Good morning, everyone. Not so many hours ago, I was asleep in a tent. So forgive me if I look a little run over. Uh, God's plan. God's plan from the beginning, it seems, has included the church a gathering of people who will follow the way of Jesus and come together to teach, to support, to encourage one another to live in the way of Jesus and to share this good news with whatever city you're in that Christ is risen from the dead. He is forgiving all sins and he is offering the same eternal life to anyone who will follow him. That's a big mission. And to make that happen, God has given to his churches everywhere gifts. Gifts to make the church transforming, to make the church effective, and to make the church um, anchored to him. You can call these gifts that he's giving, you can call them gifts, you can call them abilities, you can call them talents, whatever you call them, they are the power of the Holy Spirit given to church communities to make them powerful, to make them beautiful, to make them secure instruments of God. Those are some big statements about church. Do we have Holy Scripture to back that up? Yeah, lots, lots. We'll begin in Romans. Romans 12 says very plainly, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. That's pretty plainly stated. It's not just in Romans that Paul writes this. He also shared a very similar message with the church in Corinth, where he wrote, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Who knew there was so much scripture on this topic? And it's not just Paul who writes about this. The Apostle Peter considered this so important, he wrote to his churches about it. Peter says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. I hope you're convinced. That's a lot of verses for that. 
Now, ironically, some of you are saying right now, I don't have a spiritual gift. I mean, I, I've got nothing to make this church an instrument of change or rescue or safety. Now, the irony is the more likely that you're the type of person who says that, the more likely it is that God will be able to use you mightily in his mission. Because the scripture says again and again that God likes to take ordinary people and do extraordinary things. It's one of the ways God lets the world know that it's him and that his power is real in this world. You know, extraordinary people, that's harder. Let's take an extraordinary person. Let's take Oprah. When Oprah focuses the world on a cause and does something great, what does the world say? Oprah. Oprah's extraordinary. That's what they say. She has influence. She has talent. She took a little bit of fame. She turned it into huge fame. She's done things with it. Oprah is awesome. All glory be to Oprah. But when a little nun from Albania, of all places, which most of us couldn't find on a map, let's be honest. When she goes to care for the poor in India, and it grows over her lifetime into an international ministry work. Now, there's some people who say, well, that, that little lady from Albania, she was a bulldog. But pretty quickly, you have to say, that is faith at its best. And that is the power of God at work in this world through an ordinary person. I mean, only in, in, in God's world did she also have to be extraordinarily short. Mother Teresa was very, very tiny. Um, and, and that it just the glory of God shows all the more, doesn't it? That's what it means to bring glory to God. So the difference between Lakeland being a pretty good church and being an instrument of God in the lives of people is you using the gift that God has given you to serve. Because singing and playing a musical instrument, it's a nice thing. But musicians gifted by God sweep us away so that we forget we're here and we open ourselves up to let God in. And coffee, I'm told, is a nice thing in the morning. But people with the gift of hospitality serving with joy, it makes people stop and say, well, this isn't like Starbucks. And Starbucks people are really, really nice. But they say there's something else. I feel love at this counter. And childcare, especially if you have small children, is a great thing. But people with a spiritual gift for shepherding, giving children a place to be loved and to learn that God loves them. When kids wake up and say, is it Sunday? I want to go back to church. In this world of bullying and cyberbullying, that's an answered prayer for parents. That's the power of God at work. Now, when you try to come to church, our enemy, the devil, erects all sorts of barriers and distractions to keep you from doing that. Because if you come here often enough, eventually you're going to have an experience with the Almighty God. And our enemy, the devil, will do anything to prevent that. And that is why... Many Christians only last about three years in any given church. Now to combat that, we've studied this here at Lakeland many times and we always get exactly the same result. That serving with your spiritual gift again and again makes people four times more likely to last in church longer than three years. There's something powerful about realizing that God has given you a gift and he wants you to use it here. And if you don't use your gift, then that is very, very sad. 
because something God meant to do through you for someone else doesn't happen. Now, God can get it done for that other person another way. But God, what he really wanted was for it to happen through you. For you to use the gift that he gave you. To use your gift of teaching and kindness and compassion for someone else. And it stunts your spiritual growth when you don't use the gift that God placed inside you. You can be in the church for 30 years and not grow very much. If that journey is represented by 10 different churches. If that's... If that's true of you, you may be in a pattern where you have an initial fascination and excitement with the church, and then you make a few friends, and then, usually in about year three, God challenges you with a growth moment. And don't you know that growth moments are never comfortable? And too many of us, when we get to the uncomfortable part of church, usually in about year three, instead of facing it, we run, either out of church or just to another church, and start all over again. Now, I'm not saying that your last church was not a toxic, horrible place, because I don't know. I wasn't there. But your last seven churches? How long have you been here? Is it approaching the number of years that you usually last? This time, this time, find a place where it's just you and God. Get down on your knees and pray, God, this time I want you to show me what this lesson is that I've been running from since 2000 and help me face it. Help me to learn it this time so I can stop repeating the first three years of the Christian faith over and over and over again. I want to grow in faith, hope, and love, and especially love. And do remember that you were warned that this growth moment would be very uncomfortable. Serving in your spiritual gift will make you four times more likely to weather that time. Now you don't have to know what your spiritual gift is to get started. The easiest way to begin serving and, and discovering your gifts as you go is to just serve with someone that you like, with a friend of yours. Even if you don't really like what they're doing. I can do almost anything with a friend. I can go out on a hot, horrible summer day and dig a ditch, which I really don't like doing, if I'm doing it with a friend. And you can too. Or you can try serving in anything you think you might like. Well, I might, I might like that. Because if you don't like it here at Lakeland, we have, here at Lakeland, we have seasons of ministry where it's natural for you to rotate off and find something new when it comes to the end of the season. In fact, our staff know if you really, really dislike it, you can stop after just a time or two. And if you don't have any idea what you might like and what might make you feel fruitful and fulfilled in serving God, we have ministry tours here where you can go and see a ministry in action and imagine what would it be like if I were in that place doing that. We're going to have tours today at the end of this service for everyone to get to, to see something. Now at this point, the power of the enemy is heavy in the room because anything that's going to make you four times more likely to last in church gets a whole special set of demons to come whisper in your ear. So let's have a little ministry myth buster, shall we? Myth number one. Some of you are hearing a voice right now that says, I'll be signing up for life and I'll be trapped. 
Okay, doesn't work that way here at Lakeland. Like I said, we have ministry seasons where it's natural to move on. I served in like seven different areas in my first several years here at Lakeland before I figured out um, the one that fit whatever gift I appeared to have. Um, Here's another myth. I'll be taken advantage of and have people cramping my style. Right? Some of you are real take charge type of people. You know who you are. And, um, and, and you're imagining somebody telling you what to do and their way is not very good. Let me tell you that our ministry leaders would love for someone to come and take a part of the ministry and make it their own. And we have room for that here. Okay, this is not a, a high control congregation. Sometimes I wish it were a little more controlled, but um, it's not a high control. Con- we have a, a wonderful gal. She was teacher of the year in her district and she runs our art station and pretty much she runs it. She does it. She decides what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. She does a beautiful, amazing job. Her ideas are the best and we love that she's taken it and made it her own. You can be her. Next myth. Uh, it will be overwhelming and horrible. Our staff's primary duty is to take all the work of the church and to make it into smaller packages that that folks can do and not be overwhelmed and feel horrible. We take a many hands make light work approach. We'd rather have six people doing one job than one person doing six jobs. And so uh, it's designed not to be that way. Myth, I won't do it right. We have training for all of our positions. That's the second primary uh, job of of our staff and ministry leaders is to make sure you know how to do it. Myth, I won't be thanked or appreciated. And we spend a lot of time talking about thanking and appreciating and celebrating folks who serve in ministry. Myth, I'll be in some really uncomfortable situation that I am no good at. Again, there's natural seasons for you to find what your gifts are, to move in and out of areas, um, to give feedback if it's not working. Also, to be trained to be good at it. Here's a myth. They have only these cookie cutter jobs to do. And I am special. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. We, it's true. We have a lot of, of, of ministry here that you would have in every church in the city and every church in America. But if you have a unique and special set of gifts, we love for folks to create their ministry around what they do and the way that they do that. And you should do that. We are open to that. You don't have to uh, conform. Myth. I'll be stuck alone and I'll have to do it every week. We don't like folks to be stuck. I hope I've said that. And not alone. We try to always let folks serve with others because it's more fun to do everything with a friend. And not every week. We have folks that serve every week because they like it. But uh, we only ask folks to serve once or twice a month. Once or twice a month is what we shoot for here. Last myth, I'm afraid of so many things about this. I don't know where to begin. Right? You're just making up new scenarios in your head right now of how horrible it's going to be. Um, we're going to deal with that a little later because that's a bigger one. So serving with your spiritual gifts here in our mission um, is usually once a month or twice a month. You can do it more if you love it. And there's no need to ever miss worship or miss teaching or miss the sacraments because we have two services. So we have a serve one, attend one feel. Now, some of you are very good at math and you just figured out, if I serve at that nine o'clock service and I attend this 1030 service, I will be at church for three hours on a Sunday. You are correct. You are correct. Um, There's travel and everything. But an hour and a half of that is about you and receiving the sacraments and the scriptures and worship of God and filling your spirit. While others are serving you 
and making that all happen for your family. The other hour and a half is then someone who was just serving you, taking your place and receiving while you serve them. And not to mention, nothing in life worth doing takes less than three hours. It's still shorter than a football game. It's still shorter than watching an hour and 45 minute movie on Netflix. How does an hour and 45 minute movie take three hours? Because everybody hits pause to go to the bathroom, pause to make some popcorn, pause to answer the phone, pause, look, my friend from college got a new kitten, isn't it cute? Three hours to get through an hour and 45 minute TV show. It's still less time than you spent yesterday scrolling through Facebook. It's still less time than it takes to go out to eat by the time you go to the restaurant, get seated at the restaurant, get your drink order, get your drink, get your food order, get your food, get your check, pay the check, leave the restaurant. Three hours. Everything in life worth doing takes three hours. So does spiritual life in community. Now, why do this? Because it's always easier on a morning like this just to do nothing. Nothing is the easiest thing in the world to do. Serve with your gifts because it's fun. All those people after this service will be out there standing in the lobby and you wonder how'd they all get to know each other and become such good friends. I'm telling you, they serve together. They serve together. That's how they all know one another. Here and there through the years, they've been in the ministry trenches together and so will you be when you serve with your gifts. Do it because it makes a real difference in people's lives, particularly children. It is a wonderful thing to sit with an elementary kid and say, tell me about your high point and your low point for the week. And to smile and say, I think God will be with you this week. And now let's go to a room where another volunteer has prepared a Bible story for us to hear. Do it because God gave you those gifts for a reason. And the discovery of that reason is an amazing thing. Do it because there are real needs. Our mission as Christians in the world is huge. We need every player on the field. We have no bench, no one on the bench. Everyone's a starter. We need everyone on the field. Do it because God gave you your gift so that you can bring great value, so that you can do something that matters and makes an eternal difference in the world this week. Do it because God made you unique. If there aren't many like you, that only makes it more important that you bring your God-given uniqueness to the church where God will always be smiling to see that uniqueness unfold in you, even if no one else in the world ever notices. Do it because it's time to stop watching church, studying church, observing church. You can only grow so much by looking at the spiritual life through a microscope or a telescope. Eventually, you have to get your hands dirty in the work of God to really know God. And you want to know God. Do it because you're tired of being afraid of everything. You're tired of being afraid of all these things that may or may not ever happen. God gives you gifts and he gives you Holy Spirit power to build his church. He does. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. Why do we do this? Church, I mean. Why do we do all of this? We do all this because it has to be done. Not in an obligated way, but in an excited way. It has to be done because if God loves the world this much, then this world needs to know 
to be, to be safe from itself and all the fear and futility and destruction that comes from a world that doesn't know how much God loves us. And God in his wisdom says, then I need you. I need you. It may not make sense right now to you why I need you, but this is the way I'm going to do it. I need you to use your gifts in big ways and small ways. Now, we may not understand why God is choosing to do it that way, but we can't just look God in the face and say, nah. Not when the prophet Isaiah says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Apostle Paul said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. That could be your feet. In the second Corinthians, God says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness, which then made Paul say, so now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. This is a great congregation of people. This is, you guys are really, really great. You have a gritty love that shows up when it really, really counts, when it really, really matters. Um, You're involved at a high level in all the ways that count. Time, talent, treasures, you you are all, all in. You, you pursue spiritual depth. The raw intelligence in this room is staggering. I would put you up against any congregation in the country. Now, I know you're not supposed to do that. I know it's not a competition. All the churches are on the same team, one spirit. I know, I know. I'm just so competitive. I cannot help myself. If, if you could find a way to make not being competitive into a competition, then I could succeed at this spiritual goal. Um, As awesome as you are, there's a power more awesome. Offered to Lakeland community that will outshine all the smartness and all the love and all of the um, depth. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's where all those things come from. It's freely offered to anyone who will say, here I am, Lord, send me. When we whisper in prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. You become part of a community that's going to give the people of this world a guaranteed place of healing. Because in our city, in our cities around us, someone this week is going to receive a bad diagnosis. Someone is going to get a call from the police they never thought they'd get. Someone is going to get a note from the teacher confirming all their worst fears about their child. And they're going to cry their eyes out. But some of them will know, I'm just a few days from Sunday. Where I can walk into a lobby and I'm going to be surrounded by brothers and sisters who are authentic followers of Jesus Christ. Each of them given Holy Spirit power on this day to lift me up. And their healing will begin and they know 
that their healing is just a few days away from beginning. Well, right now, there are tens of thousands of people around us who need that. And right now, don't have that. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And all of Lakeland community said together, Here I am. Send me. Amen.